Whatever happens on draft day, we can wait for that call. It's nothing compared to waiting for the call to whether or not you're going to live or die. The chemo kills, the good cells, the bad cells, you know, it really kind of wipes you out. It really destroys a lot, you know, taste buds, uh, muscle, your energy. You know, it's, uh, it's no joke. He had always really liked James Conner. I feel like he was very similar to him. You know, he'd get chemo and then he'd go to practice and run and do drills with the team. And Andrew would have chemo, be in the ICU, and then play in a baseball game within 24 hours. So I feel like he felt a connection to him. Welcome to SC Featured, I'm Jen Latta. April 28, 2017, day two of the NFL Draft. Think for a moment of all of the emotions that surround this event. There's excitement and elation, and also some disappointment and frustration. Everyone, though, will feel some sort of nervous anticipation. The fans of each franchise as they wait to find out who will be joining their team. And, of course, the athletes who we've been focusing on as they also await their future. James Conner is one of those athletes. I'm just anxious for it, you know, no pressure. I just want somebody, you know, to give me a chance, really. His life has already been drastically affected by his football career, but also by the people he's encountered along the way. They've changed his life, and he has changed theirs. So this moment is not just important to James Conner and his family. It's important to several other families who are watching where he'll go on draft day. The first one is the O'Neill family. Mom Jamie is keeping a close eye from their home in North Huntington, Pennsylvania, right outside of Pittsburgh. I have never wanted somebody to do so well in my life. I mean, I'm a fan, but I hope he succeeds in life regardless of what he does. He will always hold a special place in our heart for what he has done for our family and for so many others. The second is Ian Malaszewski and his mom, Hallie Reed, watching with friends and family in their home of Erie, Pennsylvania. I think that means that there's hope for anything. Like, he has come through cancer, and if he gets the phone call to go to the draft, he has worked hard, he has overcome it, and it's hope. It's positivity. It's anything can happen, and I think it's great. But before we explain why they're invested in James Conner, you first need to know about James Conner. He is waiting with friends, family, and teammates in a restaurant in Erie, Pennsylvania, for the call that will change everything. Among the spectators is his family friend, Mike Gallagher. Whatever happens on draft day, we can wait for that call. It's nothing compared to waiting for the call to whether or not you're going to live or die. James Conner spent two years as a running back for the University of Pittsburgh football team. At the start of the 2015 season, his future seemed pretty clear. Then, in the season opener, he tore his MCL. While rehabbing that injury, his body began to swell, and he often felt tired. In November, doctors sent James for a chest x-ray. That led to a diagnosis. Hodgkin's lymphoma, a form of cancer. He began chemotherapy in December, where every two weeks for six months, he'd receive treatment. A football player who was used to grueling physical challenges, but it took a toll on his body first day was kind of didn't know what to expect but um 
Before that, I had to get the port put in my chest. So I got the port implanted. And then um, the process is got to draw blood every time you go. Got to flush the port before you receive it, you know, clean it out. And that's one of the worst parts, you know, because they flush it with this taste. This You get this metallic taste in your mouth and you lose your taste buds. And um, it's just nasty. You know, I threw up every time from it, you know. The chemo kills the good cells, the bad cells. You know, it really kind of wipes you out. Um, it really destroys a lot, you know, taste buds, uh, muscle, your energy. You know, it's uh, it's no joke, really, when, when they when they pump it into you. It's kind of hard to describe it, you know. People people who've been through it, they know exactly, you know, what I'm what I'm what I'm talking about, really, you know. But it kind of just wipes you out, man, and makes you extremely tired. But you just gotta fight through. You gotta be better than it. Days of chemo, it made him very ill. In particular, during the chemo treatment and each treatment would get a little worse. First one, he did great. Second one, he would get more ill. He did start blotching, losing hair. He would, he would, I know he would urinate red and scared the heck out of him, but that was actually the, the drug coming through his system. Um, and it beat him up, the fatigue and the tired, but he fought like hell to keep us from seeing that he was hurting. But the difficult treatment didn't keep James from the football team. After his chemo sessions, he could be found in the gym working out. He would often join his teammates on the field in non-contact drills, wearing a surgical mask to guard against infection. I just wanted to be around everyone. Any little bit of energy I had, you know, I was trying to make the most of it. So being around those guys, we had four, 4.30 a.m. team workouts. You know, I was there working out with those guys. You know, and they would just say, whenever you need to, by all means, step aside, catch a wind, and then hop right back in whenever you can. And so, uh, you know, that's what I did. I was there, treadmill work anytime I could, just anything to stay active, anything to get ready for, you know, opener. Coach Narduzzi put out an image of him in practice, 5.30 in the morning with the rest of his teammates trying to score a touchdown, and he flips into the end zone. And when you realize and look at his face, he's wearing a surgical mask because his white blood count is so low that he's running the risk of, of getting an infection. So he had to wear the mask if he was going to be out in public. On May 9th, James Conner went through his 12th chemo treatment. Two weeks later, on May 23rd, he had a PET scan to see if the treatment had worked. On the drive from the scan, James got a call from his doctor. He said, James, I have great news. And like right when you said that, you know, the biggest weight relief off my shoulders. And he said, you got a CR, and we call that a complete recovery. May 23rd, never forget that day. Almost four months later, on September 3rd, 2016, a healthy James Conner is back where he feels most alive. It's a Saturday afternoon at Heinz Field, and Pitt is getting set to open the season against Villanova. As James runs out of the tunnel, his family, friends, and even the medical team that treated his Hodgkin's lymphoma are scattered around the stadium. James' recovery is truly incredible. 12 rounds of chemo and less time to get in football shape than his teammates. That doesn't stop him from having a great game. He crosses the goal line twice in the pit victory. 
They give to Connor. He's going to try the outside left. Stiff arm, goal line, touchdown, James Connor. And Heinz Field erupts. Listen to this crowd. By November, James is back to his pre-cancer self as the Panthers face Clemson. With five minutes left in the game and pit down a touchdown, Connor finds the end zone. And the handoff and reversing field to the right is Connor. Stiff arms a man, turns the corner. Oh. He's at the 10, he's at the 5. <laughs> Touchdown, Panthers! James Connor did it, mostly on his own. Afterward, the entire locker room was celebrating, except for James. Instead, he was sitting in his locker crying. On his wrist, he had a band from a young man he had met at Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh before the start of the season. James would tell his teammates he was dedicating the win to that young man, Ian Maliszewski, a nationally recruited wrestler, until an incident in the Greco-Roman Nationals last June. The kid kind of got behind me and I threw like a headlock, slipped and hit my forehead on the mat with all his weight on my back and all my weight on my neck. And I thought I um, broke my arm and um, I was looking at my left arm and I couldn't move. And I was just thinking to myself, like, get up, you broke your arm, tournament's over, whatever, hopefully get healthy for, I had a big tournament coming up in July. And I knew it was really bad was, they stopped the tournament, and I was laying on my back, and I got a round of applause, and usually when athletes get hurt, they stick their thumb up. And I looked down, tried to stick my thumb up, and no movement. So I knew right then I was paralyzed, and... I knew I had a long road ahead of me. Ian's mom, Hallie Reed, was watching. The neurosurgeon came to meet with us. Um, that's when she said that he had hit the mat with his forehead and his vertebrae had shot forward and his disc had pushed out the back and hit his spinal cord. I had asked if he would ever walk, and she said you, he'll be lucky if he can drive with his, his, his motorized chair with, a, with his hand. From their first meeting at Children's, James and Ian became fast friends. In Erie, he's like a local celebrity. And when I got hurt, um, James immediately was like, I want to, what can I do to help him? What can I do to meet him? And um, one day, um, uh, everything came together, and he came to my hospital room in Pittsburgh. Just immediately, there's a friendship. I think he really. Um, used my struggle as fuel, and I kind of used his as motivation too. So we kind of just fueled off each other. He'd come a day, two, three days a week, and they'd visit, listen to music. He'd help Ian eat. He'd help Ian drink. He'd itch Ian's face. And he's, that's, he's a special kid. As he got to know Ian, James Conner began to be inspired by the wrestler. He motivates me because he can't wrestle no more. And, uh, and he knows that, but, he can, but his comeback is, you know, getting feeling and moving again. I know that he can't play football anymore. And so uh, that's one of the reasons why I play. Today, Malice Chesky continues to make progress. Beforehand, all I could do was blink. And now I can curl five-pound dumbbell, starting to lift my arms up more, I'm starting to push my manual chair, um, I can sit by myself, and just, it's coming back slowly but surely. You just realize that 
you're not alone, even though his struggle is different than mine and mine's different than his. Um, we're both fighting something. I'm going hard on therapy for me and him. He's going hard on the football field for him and I. So we're both kind of just working for each other. Ian is not the only person with a special connection to James Conner. Before Pitt's home game against Duke, five-year-old Andrew O'Neill got the chance to meet the fellow cancer patient and his hero. Andrew's mom, Jamie, was there for the meeting. He had always really liked James Conner. I feel like he was very similar to him. You know, he'd get chemo and then he'd go to practice and run and do drills with the team. And Andrew would have chemo, be in the ICU, and then play in a baseball game within 24 hours. So I feel like he felt a connection to him and he was able to watch him get stronger and recover and get back on the field. And I feel like for him that was hope. That offered him hope. So I feel like he really, he said, I really would like to meet him. After a blood panel revealed that he would need further testing, then three-year-old Andrew complained to his parents about severe stomach pain. They rushed him to Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh, where doctors discovered a large tumor in his stomach, which led to the diagnosis of neuroblastoma, a rare pediatric cancer. A moment Andrew's father, Brian, never thought he'd have to experience. This is a nightmare. This is uh, uh, the, just something you never think you're going to hear. Not your child, you know, it's just not, that's, it's just not, it's not a reality. Can't be happening to my child. Finally, well enough to leave the hospital for a game on November 19th, bundled up and wearing a pit beanie, Andrew is waiting on the sideline, waiting for James Connor. He is smiling ear to ear. At that point, he was in a wheelchair. Um, just just to, to conserve his strength, and uh, he jumped out of the wheelchair and uh, ran right over the sideline and was so excited to meet James. James came over to him, got down, uh, gave him a hug. As much as this moment meant to Andrew, James was equally impacted. This young kid was just so, the face, his face lit up when he seen me, you know, and, uh, you know, I was just, uh, he told me I was his favorite player and everything like that, so... When he said, when he's saying all that type of stuff, you know, he just, you know, he just, he just got my heart, so. Andrew loved every minute of it. He got to hug James. He got to meet James. Um, I asked him, what was, what did James say to you? And he said, he told me he loved me. And um, that's what stuck with Andrew. He felt that James loved him. April 28th, 2017. Philadelphia is ready for day two of the NFL draft, and James Conner's expectations are high. The second round is now officially open. Just uh, excited, anxious, and ready for, you know, to see if I achieve my dreams or not. Just ready for a phone call, and uh, hopefully those dreams become a reality later tonight. We'll be right back. We have migrated into the third round. Glad you are here with us in Philadelphia. As the night wears on and players are picked off the board, James Conner is still waiting for the call that will tell him what his future holds. Just outside of Pittsburgh, the O'Neills are watching the draft. 
The scene isn't that different than back in December when they were watching James receive the Disney Spirit Award. In his speech, he mentioned his friends Andrew and Ian by name. It is my great honor to present the Disney Spirit Award to University of Pittsburgh running back James Conner. It's written on your face, but tell us what's in your heart. Man, just, just playing for everybody, playing for people who can't really die. I put so many people wish they was in your shoes, you know, and uh, it's people who are dealing with worse things other than cancer. I got a friend, Ian Malchesky up in Erie, who's uh, paralyzed from the neck down. He's fighting a battle right now. Young kid, Andrew O'Neill, the same day I figured I won this award, he had two wishes, you know, to meet Mickey Mouse and meet me. And with this being a Disney award, this is for me and him. And you just play the game of football for somebody who can't. Why don't we hear it for Andrew, who James just called out for a special moment for a special young man. There are no words to express how that makes me feel. That award meant so much to him, but also to us. Um, I never thought he would say the kind words that he said about Andrew. It was touching. It was um, so special. We still are in disbelief of how this has all played out. Um, we were pretty shocked to think that maybe Andrew had as much of an impact on James as James did on Andrew. Shortly after James received the award, Andrew's condition took a turn for the worse. Being told that there's nothing more that they can do for your child, that was the most... That was the lowest point for me, just, I, I, I think that was definitely the hardest moment in my life ever. And I said, what do you want? And he said, no more doctors, no more hospitals, I want to go home. And so we decided to bring him home. We were here at the house. Now, Jamie and I were with him. Just continually telling him how much we love him. Just kissing him. It's hard. No child should ever endure that. No brother should lose a sibling. And no parent should ever have to go through that. Andrew O'Neill passed away on December 12, 2016. He was five years old. How do you fill a void like that? You can't. You just can't. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about him every second. And I miss him like crazy. I try to tell myself every day that Andrew left a bigger footprint in five years of his life than I could ever leave in my entire life. I feel like he was brought to this earth to teach people things. The impact that James Conner had on Andrew's life, giving him hope and happiness in his final days, has stuck with the O'Neill family. And for Ian Maliszewski, Conner's friendship has helped him through some of his most challenging days. It's going to be a, a lot of joy because he's been through hell and back. And 
no matter what team gets them, they're going to get a warrior. And I'm sure countless teams are going to pass up on him. But as soon as he gets to their training camp, as soon as he gets to wherever he's going, um, he's going to tear it up. James Conner was projected to be drafted between the third and fifth rounds, which brings us to Friday night, where James is waiting for the phone to ring with his friend, Mike Gallagher. James is the classic example. When he gets that phone call from a National Football League team, it will be just about 11 months to the day of getting the call telling him that he's going to live. Cancer's gone. So to go full circle to where now an entire city is opening their arms to welcome you in and to make you one of their own and to let you help lead them to wherever it leads you. You know, and, and, and along that journey to whatever NFL team he ends up with, sadly, there's going to be more Ians who have injuries. There's going to be more Andrews who fight cancer and don't win. But now in their town, they have someone to look to that they know beat it. By now, it's late on Friday night. People surround James Conner, and all eyes are glued to round three of the draft. As the third round comes to a close, it seemed like James would have to wait until the following day to hear his name called. But then, the phone rings. In the 2017 NFL Draft... Coach, how you doing? Yes, sir, I'm here. Everyone in the room is watching, waiting for the announcement. Now, with the 105th pick... In the 2017 NFL Draft, the Pittsburgh Steelers select James Conner, running back Pittsburgh. And then a quick talk on the phone with Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin. Congratulations, man, to you um, and your family, man. We're excited for you. But more importantly, man, we're excited about you being a Steeler, man, and, and chasing the world championship here in 20. 20- uh, 17, and you're going to be a big part of that. I know it's surreal. I know it's an unbelievable thing, but you got to get over that. We got work to do. Yes, sir. Among the mayhem and the celebration, James was able to step aside and talk about what this moment means to him. Man, just a dream come true. I just can't. I'm forever grateful for them giving me opportunity, everything I've been through, and I know a lot of teams were scared, but you know, they, they gave me an opportunity of a lifetime, and they're going to get a, a great person, a, a great football player, and I'm just going to give them my all for them. Everybody in our area is basically Pittsburgh fans. So for me to be from Erie, play football at Pitt, play for the Steelers, right at Hinesville, dream come true. It's awesome just to stay home, really. That's, you know, that's my second home away from Erie, so it's just a blessing. After all he's been through and all the lives he's touched with his story, James Conner has a message for those touched by his journey. You know, you, you can't, you won't be defined by cancer. You know, it's just a little bump in the road, and you know, you can always tell your story. We want to thank James Conner and his family for welcoming us into their home and their lives on a very hectic weekend. That includes his mom, Kelly Patterson, and his friend, Mike Gallagher. We'd also like to thank the O'Neill family, Ian Malaszewski, and his mom, Hallie Reed. This episode was produced by Aaron Dunphy, edited by A.J. Irish, 
Field producing and reporting by Ben Weber and Tom Rinaldi. Gustavo Coletti is the senior managing producer. Greg Jewell and Patricia Mays are the coordinating producers. David Cummings is the audio content strategist. And Peter Giannassini is the senior director of content. Executive producer is Victor Vitarelli. And I'm your host, Jen Latta. Until next time, thanks for listening.